I would like to offer a kind and welcoming good morning to all of you here at our conference, Speaking Truth to Social Justice. You know, we, we are a diverse group, and no doubt uh, we have many disagreements on things. But within that diversity is unity in regards to addressing the greatest challenge that we as a civilization are facing today. The death of the pursuit of objective truth. George Orwell stated, the further a society drifts from truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. Whether we admit it or not, we are the agents of our epoch of time. What also must be understood is that there is nothing new under the sun, for we live in an age where our personal volition, our freedom of conscience, our ability to reason, our pursuit of knowledge, our right to worship or not, as we individually see fit, our cognitive liberties, are, to a fault, taken for granted. As many of you know, in the course of human history, and specifically in the history of the Western civilization as we know it, this theme has time and time again been repeated by those who claim to want to usher in the new utopia. But in fact, they always bring fascistic totalitarianism. Now let's turn back the clock 500 years or so. The proclamation of those that enjoyed the radical concept of the day 500 years ago, of what is known as the Reformation, was this. Post tenebras, lux. After darkness, light. After the centuries of the monarchical episcopate ensuring that their subjects live in ignorance under their subjective understanding of revealed objective truth, the light of the truth broke through the darkness into the vernacular language of the common people. The light had started to shine. No longer did men and women remain enslaved to being told what to believe and what to do and how to conduct themselves from magisterial authorities. They had the truth themselves and now had the ability to hold those who ruled over them responsible to an agreed standard. By what standard is the question we should continue to ask. Then the explosion of knowledge began. For the light of knowledge was beginning to shine. The desire to know how to read became preeminent because now every man, every woman, every child could read for themselves, could understand for themselves what standard they were being told to live by. As the ability to read, to write, to communicate was necessitated throughout what we know as civilization, the great leaps of knowledge were becoming commonplace. In the years to come, through the Enlightenment, the sciences expanded and were fortified by the ever-sharpening resolve to get it right. The age of reason had a genesis 
The common man, pulled from the centuries of ignorance, found himself in the path, cre creating a new society with equality, liberty, and volitional responsibility as its strength and core. Whether in an ecclesial sense or in the realm of scientific progress, the light of objective truth was beginning to burn bright. And through years of revolution, through many hardships, agreed, and strife, the light continued to find its way through the cracks and crevices of ideological darkness. Keeping the flame of the light lit has not always been easy. But we have come through an age of great progress, where miracles of communication, of advancements in diagnosis and medicine, of flourishing like no age before us. But maybe, friends, just maybe, we have taken the light of truth and knowledge for granted. In an age where more citizens in the West die from obesity than from hunger, maybe we have taken the light for granted. In a time where education is available to nearly everyone who desires it, where communication across nations is as simple as communication across the kitchen table, quite possibly, we have taken the light for granted. In an epoch of time, where nearly every ounce of knowledge of almost any field is available to the average person in Tifton, Georgia, as is available to a student in Cambridge, this is true. Our sciencia, our knowledge, our sciences have been a great achievement. But maybe, just maybe, we've begun to take the light for granted. You see, the light of knowledge and the age of amazement, even greater than the Belle Epoque, relied on the pursuit by the common man of objective truth. We call it the correspondence theory of understanding and knowing truth, epistemology. To know why, to know what the evidence is of a truth claim. Truth corresponds to the reality that reveals it to be true. So this is how nearly everything is measured in our world. A medical diagnosis, a grade in the classroom, a bank account, a trial by jury. Truth must correspond to reality for something to be true. This is good science. This is provable science. This is a good exegetical methodology. This is good accounting. This leads to a good society because we all know what our standard is. Yes? But there is a problem with this, not for you and me, but for those that desire to be our masters. George Orwell, who I had quoted before, who was many times in this very library, also said the following. If you want to know a vision for the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. 
For those who believe that they know better, that they know better than the common man who today has the very same equal access to the light of knowledge that they do, if your desire is to control, if your desire is submission, if your desire is to overcome the great equal sharing and leveling of the playing field that open access to the night light of true knowledge brings, then obviously the last thing that you want is for man to understand and possess equal knowledge. But the genie, for the lack of a better term, is out of the bottle. Every man, every woman, Every child has equal access to the light of knowledge, to the pathways of truth afforded to them through cognitive liberty. How, if you wanted to control the huddled masses, how would you, if that was your desire, how would you reclaim some sense of subjugation? Well, you would introduce ideas that you would claim to be true that are completely irrational utterly insane, downright mythological, and claim that they are true, or at least that they are morally true, under your new mythological moral code. You would insist that others understand these falsifiable but feel-good half-truths, and you could call them fertile fallacies. Fertile fallacies always contain a kernel of truth, but at the very core are meant to spurn reflexive action as desired by those that seek societal or political change. So here is the subtle but destructive twist to destroy the concept of objective truth. Radical subjectivism. Dispense with objective truth claims and end the correspondence theory of truth. Say instead that people are capable of acquiring knowledge, but that they can never have enough knowledge to allow them to base all their decisions on objective knowledge. So in the minds of those that wish to destroy the correspondence theory of truth, it follows that if a piece of knowledge has proved useful, that the accusation will come that what is known to be truth is exploited. It must be oppressive. And then state what we know to be absolutely true no longer applies. So if your ultimate desire is control, you claim that the truth is a fallacy. And what is actually a fallacy or a false claim now becomes truth. So now, ladies and gentlemen, we live in an upside-down world. Everything is fake, made only true by the constant repetitive reflexive feedback loops. So in upside-down world, everything that is objectively true can be considered a fallacy simply because accepted norms, you know, scientific normalcy, societal normalcy, Legislative normalcy, we call this precedence, are now just as fallacious as those ideas and concepts that fail the scientific method and fail the test of correspondence. Everything's a fallacy. There is no objective truth in their world. The correspondence methodology of discerning truth is dead. So now, 
Pick your fallacy. Make it a truth according to what you wish to politically accomplish. Embrace the power relationships of Foucault and spice them with the grammatological deconstruction of Derrida. In fact, deconstruct everything that holds our society together. Blow up and tear down the edifices of our society with critical race theory, and then glue it all back together upside down with intersectionality. You see, the fertile fallacies are fertile. Fertile fallacies are lies that have legs. They grow roots. Fertile fallacies rely on resentment, resentment, on grievance, on hatred. And once fertile fallacies begin to grow roots, they become more and more difficult to remove. For you, friends gathered here, once they have made their way, those roots of the fertile fallacies, into your organization, into your company, into your seminary, into your knitting group, into your political party, the fertile fallacy will begin to extinguish the light of true knowledge and our methods that lead to the discovery of truth. It insists that the light of knowledge is darkness and the candle is hence extinguished. William Butler Yeats best stated when he wrote the following. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed and everywhere. The ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Remember what we said in the beginning? The call of the Reformation, post-Tenebras Luke's, after darkness light? Now, after light, darkness. So, for those of you in medical research, for those of you in higher education, for those of you in the sciences, for those of you in philosophy, for those of you in legislation and business, affinity groups, media, or in the pastorate, for those of you who are the common men and women of our society, let me give you one piece of advice that you can take from this conference and share with your children. Rage. You must rage against the dying of the light. I say the following without one ounce of hyperbole. What others have called the culture wars is for all practical purposes over. The battle is actually for epistemology, and it's about to begin. Upon this battle depends nothing less than the survival of Western civilization as we know it. Upon it depends our own lives and purposes, and the long continuity of our educational institutions, our research institutions, our religious institutions, our legal institutions, and our own individual cognitive liberty. So as I gaze across this diverse room, I can certainly say that very soon the possibility of the entire weight and might of top-down legislation may be turned upon us. The bottom-up frenzy of mass hysteria surrounds us, literally, this very day. 
maybe it has caused some of you not to be able to make it to the conference on time. Those that are forwarding radical subjectivism know that they will have to break us into all of our individual tents again. Make sure that we're not talking to one another. They must continue to divide us. Ensure that we are turned against one another so that they may prosper in their mythological foolishness. But if we can stand up to them, you and I, all men and women may be free to prosper intellectually and the life and life of true progress of the world and its people may move forward into broad sunlit uplands. But if we fail, then the entirety of our civilization, including those fighting for liberty in the Far East right now, including all that have known and cared for liberty, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the false lights of a new perverted science. Our pursuit of anything else is just purchasing higher priced cabins on the Titanic at this time. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if we do save this civilization, if we do reignite the light of the pursuit of objective truth, we may light a flame those that will carry the light of objective truth for future generation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. We must stand together. Or we will certainly fail together. So I charge you today, stand with us. We must win. Thank you.